Welcome back to the Sports Mix Podcast. I'm Thomas, and we're back here on Thursday night, January 9th, uh, to break down the four-game NBA slate along with some college basketball action that we had tonight. But mainly, we'll be getting into our second NFL playoff betting show. Um, I'm really excited about that, as last week it uh, did pretty well. Overall, I think if you took my picks and bet on them, that you came out um, with profit at least. Um, But also, I just want to mention once again, like I do always, that if you haven't followed the Instagram page yet, at Sports Mix Podcast, that's where I'll be posting all the links to the episodes. Uh, Once again, I'm trying to get that going more and more on the Instagram page, uh, getting more stuff up on the story as time goes on. Um, But anyways, I'd appreciate if you'd follow the account and turn on notifications so that you don't miss a thing. And we're going to get right into it as we have a lot to cover, especially with the betting show uh, being here on Thursday. But we're going to start actually in the NBA. We had just four games in the NBA, and we're going to start with the Cavaliers traveling to Detroit to take on the Pistons. This one came down to the wire. Uh, The Pistons actually had probably like an 8 to 10 point lead towards the end of this one in regulation, probably three or four minutes left. But the Cavaliers came back, and they actually got a 115 to 112 overtime W. This snapped a five-game losing streak for the Cavs. And for the second straight game, we saw these two teams match up, the last one obviously being in Cleveland. And once again, for the second straight outing, we saw Andre Drummond just absolutely take over without Blake Griffin suited up for this one as Drummond had 28 points and 23 rebounds. On the other side, Tristan Thompson himself had a really nice game, 35 points and 14 rebounds, but in the end it was Kevin Love's go-ahead three with about 30 seconds left in overtime to snap that losing streak for Cleveland and give them uh, a comeback victory. D. Rose had 27, seven rebounds and five assists off the bench as the Cavaliers will now head to Denver on Saturday night uh, to take on the Nuggets and the Pistons will host the Bulls on Saturday. Next up, we had uh, the big matchup in the East between the Celtics and the 76ers. And surprisingly, even without Joel Embiid, we saw um, the Sixers win this one pretty handedly, I guess, uh, by a score of 109-98 to in Philadelphia. As the Celtics have really struggled this last week, um, you know, losing to the Wizards earlier in the week, and then they lost to the Spurs. They got smacked by 15. Um, and then losing this one, they've now lost all three games this season to the 76ers. As like I said, uh, it came out today that big man Joel Embiid will have surgery on his finger to repair a torn ligament, and he'll be reevaluated in a week or two. But as for this one, Josh Richardson, the guard, stepped up. The former Miami Heat player, he had 29 points, and big man Al Horford did his thing like he usually does, 17, 8 rebounds, and 6 assists in the W. And on the other side, Kemba Walker led the way for the Cs with 26 points on 10 of 20 shooting. Um, but they're on their first three-game losing streak of the season, and they'll look to get right at home. You know, they should snap that on Saturday against the Pelicans while Philadelphia heads out on the road to take on Dallas and Luka and company on Saturday. Our next game was here in Minnesota between the Trailblazers and the Timberwolves, and as a Wolves fan, we're not really accustomed to seeing the Wolves get out to a lead and be able to hold that, as we saw in their last loss to the Grizzlies. But they did just that in this one, as without Towns for the 12th straight game, Andrew Wiggins led the way with 23 points, 
and Gorgie Jang had another solid double-double performance. Um, the Blazers continue to really underwhelm on the season as a whole. When looking at uh, their record for this season, they're 16-23, and and they fell to 8-14 and on the road, while the Wolves got just their sixth win at home. After scoring, outscoring Portland 31-13 to in the second quarter, the Wolves led by 12 at halftime and then um, even outscored them by even more in the third quarter as it was a 26-point game and even up to 27 at a point. Uh, we've really seen great defense from the Wolves, too, since Cat went out with injury as Minnesota entered today's game with the best defense rating in the league since December 26th and was holding opponents to an average of 103.6 points. Obviously, we saw the defense on display tonight in the second quarter as Portland only scored 13 points. And it's not going to get any easier for the Blazers as they'll host uh, the NBA-leading Bucks on Saturday while the Wolves will head to Houston on Saturday night. And then for the last game of the night, we had the Houston Rockets heading to Oklahoma City to take on the Thunder. This was a 113-92 W for the Thunder, and once again, you know, an upset for Russell Westbrook's first game back in Oklahoma City. He got an amazing standing ovation, which was great to see from the announcement of the starting lineups during that. Um, and it was cool to see Westbrook really appreciate the love that the fans showed in his post-game press conference, but it was all kind of about CP3 Gallinari tonight as CP3 had an incredible uh, nutmeg, I guess you could say, on Isaiah Hartenstein, the big man, and then kind of just told everyone to stop and go home. After that, if you watch it, you know what I mean. As uh, Gallinari in this one had 23 points, 11 rebounds, and 4 assists. Shea Gilgis-Alexander poured in 20 points. And even though the Rockets lost, Westbrook had, you know, he actually played pretty well with 34 points and 18 first half points, along with five assists. But it honestly came down to James Harden not really having it in this one. He kind of seemed disinterested and he didn't shoot well, shooting just five of 17 and scoring 17 points in just 27 minutes for the Rockets. Like I said, up next for the Rockets, they'll play the Wolves on Saturday back at home. And then the Thunder will host the Lakers on Saturday night as well. Moving into college basketball, the first game we're going to break down was the Minnesota Gophers playing at Michigan State. This line was at 12.5, and, and I said that that was too many points to be giving up. And it's unfortunate that it finished as a 16-point game, 74-58, because this was honestly a closer game than many expected. Um, we saw big man Daniel Oturu keep the Gophers in it with a 22-10 and 10 rebound performance, but... Xavier Tillman and the Spartans got the last laugh as Tillman had 19 and 16, along with Cassius Winston dropping 27 as he really heated up towards the end of the game. And it just kind of seems like the Gophers don't have a guard that can separate at all, at least dribbling the ball and, you know, kind of take some of the offensive duties off of Tour's shoulders. So we'll see what happens there. But, you know, Michigan State handled business and it was kind of a bad beat that uh, the Gophers couldn't cover that 12 and a half number. Gonzaga smoked San Diego 94-50. I think they were like a 15 or 16-point favorite, so they easily got that. And then in what was maybe probably the best college basketball game of the season thus far between Oregon and Arizona, Oregon outlasted uh, the Wildcats in overtime by a one-point score in a 74-73 game. It was back and forth literally the whole, all the way through until the last few seconds. And uh, it was a big win for Oregon. Obviously nothing to feel bad about if you're Arizona. 
Um, but that was a it was a fun one to watch. I didn't see as much as as much of it as I wanted because I was watching the Gopher game, but I saw a lot of highlights and was kind of flipping back and forth as much as I could for that one. And then we saw another really close game in the Big Ten between Purdue and Michigan. It was a final score of eighty four to seventy eight as the Boilermakers fell in double overtime. And I want to say Michigan was a five point favorite in this one. So once again, another bad beat. Uh, as I said that, I liked Purdue at plus five, getting the points. Um, because, you know, in a game that's double OT, you don't necessarily expect it to finish as a six-point game, especially because Purdue had chances at the end of the first overtime to win the game. But you got to give credit to Travion Williams for Purdue. He had an unreal night with 36 points and 20 rebounds. Um, but Xavier Simpson's go-ahead three late in the game kind of gave them the breathing room that they needed as he finished with 22 points in the Wolverine W., Next up, we have the Wichita State Shockers beating Memphis 76 to 67. I said I liked Memphis in this one. I think they were like a, uh, I think it was like a three or four point uh, underdog. So another loss there. You know, after on Tuesday, I, I did really well with, uh, with giving out picks for college basketball. Tonight was a little different, but, and also I forgot to mention I had Oregon like minus four. Um, but, it kind of came down to a lot of close games and just not finishing it. You know, Purdue losing by six, getting five. Gonzaga was a W, but Oregon, that was a close game all the way through. They ended up winning but not covering. And then the Minnesota was just kind of BS because that was like a six to eight point game. Even like I would say four to six point game, honestly, like the whole way through. Just a couple possessions. But anyways, back to the Wichita State game. The Shockers improved to 14-1 on the season. You have to give credit to Memphis, though, who was nearly down 20 in the second half, but fought back to make it close at the end. But that's it for college basketball. Now we're going to transition into the NFL betting segment. I'm going to take you guys into each game and give you my pick against the spread, along with evaluating the over-unders for each game. And we're, we're going to begin on Saturday for game one at 3.30 Central Time. First game of the weekend, as we see the Vikings taking on the Niners, and the Niners as a seven-point favorite. The Niners opened at minus 7.5 odds with a 45.5 over-under. And, um, you know, the Niners are 9-6 nine and six, nine, six and 1 against the spread this season. The Niners were much better on the road against the spread than at home, but I truly think that the extra week of rest does wonders for them compared to a Vikings team that essentially went through hell to get through New Orleans. It kind of felt like, you know, going into overtime and just everything that happened in that game. And now has to travel halfway across the country on what is technically a short week, too, since they played the Saints on Sunday. I also don't expect the Vikings to convert in the red zone as well as they did last game, finishing touchdowns on 75% of their drives. Three out of their four drives, drives they scored touchdowns in the red zone. And they also went 10 of 18 on third down. As I think San Fran's D has proven us all season that they're truly an elite D. And I personally think that they're definitely a step above New Orleans when it comes to not just their defense, but just in general as well. As I think they have a more balanced attack on offense than many realize. Especially when you look at New Orleans, I understand they have lots of weapons. But um, with the running attack that San Fran has, I think that the three-headed monster of Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, and Matt Breida will be something the Vikings won't necessarily be ready for. As I think New Orleans kind of gave up too early on the rush last week, giving Kamara just seven carries. 
while I expect San Fran to stay true to what has gotten them to this position, and it definitely hasn't been Jimmy Garoppolo throwing for 350 yards. Um, also, another thing to mention is that uh, defensive player D Ford should be good to go. And, of course, having Nick Bosa always helps, too, in this game. Minnesota's 1-9 straight up in their last 10 in San Francisco. The over is 8-4 in the Vikings' last 12 and 7-3 and in San Fran's last 10, along with a 5-1 and one, five to one, five and one, uh, in their last 6 at home for the over. Even though I mentioned before that San Fran wasn't great against the spread at home, they still went 6-2 and two straight up at home. And 4-2 and two against the spread in their last six to end the year. So overall, I'm sure you can guess, I like the Niners at minus 7. Just one week after liking Minnesota plus 8. As I think this is just a matter of San Fran taking care of business after getting the week of rest. It also doesn't help that uh, Stefan Diggs missed two practices with illness this week. And Adam Thielen suffered a minor, minor ankle injury in yesterday's practice for what it's worth. And then as far as uh, the total goes... In this one, I lean to the over, as I think if San Fran wins, we'll see quite a few points. But, you know, if you're drinking the Viking Kool-Aid, I think it does make sense to play the under since they're going to need to force San Fran to kick field goals instead of touchdowns, you know, for the San Fran offense, which is definitely a possibility. But um, that's what they did last week against the Saints, and that's why uh, they were able to win that game. So if you think the Vikings are going to win, you have to think that their that their defense comes to play like they did last week. So overall, uh, San Fran minus seven. I'm gonna double check here on Bovada that that's the line um, because obviously there's uh, different lines depending on whatever book you're playing on. Let's see here, NFL playoffs. San Fran minus seven at minus one ten odds, and then the over under set at forty four in this one on Bovada. So I like the over if you're taking San Fran minus seven. That would be my two my two picks there. I definitely like the side more than the total in this one because I wouldn't be surprised to see the Niners just absolutely halt everything the Vikings try to do on offense, especially after giving Delvin Cook a season high twenty eight carries. Um, you know, that's that's a lot and San Fran has got fresh legs, so wouldn't be surprised if San Fran got out to like a 10-point lead and just kind of played conservative, honestly, especially against Kirk Cousins on the road. Anyways, let's move into the next game between the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens. On Bovada, we have the Ravens as a 10-point favorite at minus 105 odds and then um, an over-under number of 47 in this one. And I love the Ravens here uh, to just roll into the AFC Championship this is a team that's won 12 games in a row, has the MVP at quarterback, and it honestly just seems like a matchup nightmare for any team, but especially for the Titans. Uh, you have to give credit to the Titans for at least winning the game, but uh, you can't tell me the Titans win this one, and I just think the Ravens kind of steamroll them. Even though Tennessee is 6-2 and two against the spread in their last eight games, you, know, you really cannot compare Baltimore to any other team in the NFL right now. As the Ravens are nine and one against the spread in their last ten, six and zero in their last six at home, and like I said before, I like their matchup versus Tannehill on the defensive side. <clears throat> the issue with New England last week, in my opinion, was that Tennessee could kind of dictate how that game went with handing the ball off thirty plus times with Derrick Henry because New England doesn't have 
a high-powered offense whatsoever, and honestly, not even what we saw last week wasn't even a competent, competent offense with Tom Brady and those receivers. But here is just it's completely opposite with Lamar's offense. You know, Mark Ingram is doing tremendous things this season for Baltimore, and uh, New England converted just five of thirteen third downs and one of three red zone trips against the Titans. And I expect that if Baltimore gets in the red zone, that they, they execute. The total here opened at 49. Obviously, it dropped a couple points down to 47. And then Baltimore opened at minus 9.5. That's up to 10. But another thing to mention is that Lamar Jackson's top target is tight end Mark Andrews. And after accounting for 25% of the team's receiving yards with 10 touchdowns, um, opposing tight ends against the Titans average five catches for 57 yards and a touchdown per game. So definitely giving the advantage there to Andrews. And then as far as uh, red zone trips go, opposing offenses converted 47% of their red zone trips into touchdowns against Baltimore, which is the third lowest rate in the NFL. On the other side, the Titans do rank first in red zone efficiency as they've converted over 75% of their red zone trips into touchdowns. So something's got to give there. Um, But if you see the Titans settling for red zone field goals, Baltimore is really going to just take advantage and be able to put more points on the board that they can cover that 10-point number fairly easily, I think. Another thing to mention is that Baltimore has won nine games by at least 10 points this season. So even though, once again, it's a big number, it's in the playoffs against a team that can run the ball and slow the game down, the Ravens have done it all year. So overall, it's a lot of points to lay in the playoffs, but the Ravens have won... 12 in a row, and I just trust uh, Lamar Jackson to put a lot more points on the board than Ryan Tannehill, honestly. And despite what Derrick Henry's done, I think that the Ravens' defense will force Tannehill to make throws because they're going to be playing from behind, in my opinion. And, you know, Tennessee's defense is good, but it's not good enough to contain Jackson. I don't think, honestly, any defense is. You know, my pick right now to win the Super Bowl is Baltimore. I'm going to stick by that. I know, obviously, it's not like a risky pick or anything, but that's truly how I think it'll play out. I just – this offense is so explosive. Um, and then as for the total, I definitely like the side a lot more in this one because we saw that two-point move to the under. But I actually like the over as Tennessee's 9-2 to the over in their last 11 and then – we all know the offensive explosiveness from Baltimore. So I wouldn't be surprised if it got up over that 47 number. That's where I'd lean. But like I said, I feel like, you know, the money and Vegas knows more than me and dropping two points. And with how good the Ravens defense still is and the Titans obviously having a good enough defense too, I don't think anyone would be surprised if this was like a 27 to 10 game where you just honestly didn't see a whole lot of scoring, but Baltimore just dominate from beginning to end. So anyways, I like Baltimore minus 10. I lean towards the over, but uh, I, wouldn't bet, I wouldn't bet on the total in this one. Next up, we have the two Sunday games. We'll start with the 205 Central Time kickoff between the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs. And in this one, I'm honestly just, I'm going against all the numbers pretty much. I know that, the Chiefs' defense has gotten a lot better recently. But 
as a nine and a half point favorite and even 10 in some books. I know that on Bovada, it's nine and a half with a 51 and a half number for the over under. I just really like the Texans here at plus nine and a half. I definitely will buy the hook and make it plus 10, but they show me a lot from coming back from the 16-0 deficit last week, and I really wouldn't be surprised to see them come out swinging, you know, take an early lead in this one. You have the narrative between Watson and Mahomes in the same draft where I don't think that these two teams have a whole lot of difference, at least when it comes to offensive explosiveness. You know, We could see Watson come out here and throw for over 300 yards and three touchdowns, and no one would be that surprised, even though the Chiefs' defense has been better recently. Um, and another thing that gives me hope is that the Texans already beat Kansas City on the road. This was an overtime game. It was a close game this season. And I don't think like they're just going to roll over. And when I look at like the whole weekend and the lines, I don't understand how Minnesota can be a, a less underdog than against the number one team in the NFC than Houston playing against Kansas City, a team they've already beaten. And then when you look at even the Baltimore game too, um, as a 10-point favorite there, I just I don't see it. Like I think that what I'm trying to say is I don't think that those are equal. I don't think that Houston should be giving up 9.5, 10 points if – or to Kansas City if Tennessee's giving up that same number to Baltimore is what I'm trying to say. Like, either make the Baltimore number bigger or make the Texans at, like, minus or at like plus six and a half or seven. But here's the thing, is that that's what it was at when it first came out. Uh, this line started at Kansas City minus seven in a lot of books, and we saw a two and a half and then even a three-point change. And to me, it just is a complete overreaction to... Uh, you know, getting JJ Watt back too. Houston's five two and one against the spread on the road this year. I do understand that the Chiefs have covered six straight games, but um, I just am really hoping that Watson can keep his offense going with Kansas City's. And I just truthfully think nine and a half ten points is too many in a playoff game where you already saw this team beat a really tough Buffalo team, and it takes a lot to come back sixteen zero against Buffalo and their defense. And even though Houston has a twenty ninth pass rank D. It doesn't really scare me because I think their offenses are a lot more similar. And, you know, Mahomes has been good this year, and he's been great at times, but I hate to say it. I think that there's just a little bit of something off with Kansas City this year. They've shown a lot. They've shown weakness, and I understand they're red hot coming into this game, but um, I just, I, I don't know. That's just my lean here. I would, I would bet Houston with the points. Um, another thing to mention is that Houston is 9-4 straight up in their last 13 and 6-3 and against the spread in their last nine as an underdog. Um, opposing offenses converted 50% of their red zone trips into touchdowns against the Chiefs defense, the league's ninth lowest rate. So I think that if Houston can get down there, they have a, a good shot at uh, scoring touchdowns, which is going to need to happen against Pat Mahomes in their offense. So overall, um, I like Houston getting the points. And then I like the over as well. You know, 51.5, the highest number on the board this week. If I'm going to expect Houston with not that great of a pass, D, to uh, to keep this game close, you know, Kansas City is going to score 28, 30 points, in my opinion. So if 
they score 30 and they got to keep it within 10, then that makes sense that I would play the uh, over 51.5, even though the unders juiced at minus 115 odds. Let's move into the last game of the weekend between the Seattle Seahawks and the Green Bay Packers. Over on Bovada, we have a four-point four point favorite in the Packers at minus 115 odds. I've seen four and a half in places. And then the over-under is set at 47. Uh, it opened at Green Bay minus three and a half, the over-under at 46 and a half, so not a whole lot of movement. A little bit of money coming in on Green Bay and then you know going towards the under as well. And in this one, I just think that Seattle is a team that honestly – could have and in my opinion would have lost last week if Wentz played that whole game you know he went out after just a couple drives as I really wasn't impressed at all with the Seahawks in that ugly effort last Sunday Seattle's 0-4-1 against the spread in their last five versus Green Bay Green Bay's 5-0 straight up in their last five 5-0 straight up in their last five at Lambeau and 5-1 against the spread in their last six games in January and I think getting the bye week gives Green Bay you know a significant advantage over this Seattle team. Not to mention, I really like how Green Bay has used Aaron Jones, their running back Aaron Jones this season, giving them, in my opinion, a tremendous advantage over Seattle when looking at you know the two running games ever since Chris Carson and Rashad Penny went out for the year. I know Marshawn Lynch has scored two touchdowns in as many weeks, but uh, the Travis Homer guy just really isn't that good. And I wouldn't be surprised if... Green Bay's pass rush got to Seattle and their offensive line. Because if you remember back to week 16, Zadarius Smith absolutely destroyed the Vikings' offensive line. He sacked Kirk Cousins three and a half times, and the Packers finished with five sacks in that one. And Russell Wilson was sacked a league high 48 times. So for Green Bay, I think that if they can get to Wilson along with not, you know, Seattle's offense not being able to run the ball effectively. And then on the other side, of course, Aaron Rodgers. Um, I know Seattle's scrappy, especially on the road, but Aaron Rodgers is just different, especially in the playoffs. Another thing to note last week against the Eagles that the Seahawks were a pretty undisciplined team. You know, that's not something you want to be backing as a better. Committing 11 penalties for a loss of 114 yards in that W over the Eagles. And, you know, it kind of goes without saying that if they commit that many penalties against Packers it's not going to work also Russell Wilson led the Seahawks last week of 45 rushing yards like I mentioned um Travis Homer and Marshawn Lynch really didn't do anything against the Eagles stout run D I know that Green Bay's run D has been pretty bad but in the last few weeks they their defense has actually gotten a lot better and I just expect the Packers to run the ball a lot more than Seattle and do it more effectively. And then, of course, Aaron Rodgers as well on your side. I like that. Um, the Packers have averaged 22 more rushing yards per game the last three weeks compared to their season-to-date rate of 112.2. And uh, opposing offenses converted 50% of their red zone trips into touchdowns against the Packers as Green Bay ranks seven in the, seventh in the league in this category. So overall, <clears throat> I like Green Bay to win this game. I think that if you could have got in on the action when uh, the the line first opened at three and a half and bought the hook at minus three, it makes me a little bit more comfortable because I would not at all be surprised if this was a three-point game and you lose the Green Bay minus four bet. 
against the spread. But when I look at that, you know, if I'm that confident that Green Bay wins this game at Lambeau with Aaron Rodgers and a Seattle team that's just banged up in general, I, just, I think that if, if I expect them to win the game and, you know, as long as they do it by more than a field goal, you're cashing that. And then I would say, though, that I like the under more in this one than the side. You know, I expect Green Bay to run the ball and... I see Green Bay's defense stepping up. I don't think that Green Bay gets out to like a huge lead or anything like that, um, which wouldn't force Seattle to pass the whole game necessarily, even though I think that would be their best chance at winning. So I think it's just kind of a slow grinded out game for Green Bay. I like the under a lot in this one. Obviously, that number is at 47, and it's juiced at minus 115 odds. Um, but that's it, guys. I'm going to go through one more time what my picks were in case you missed any. I like San Francisco minus 7 and the over 44 in that one. If you're betting on the Vikings at plus 7, I'd take the under because I would expect their defense to you know, come out to play if this, game, if this game stays close at all. I love Baltimore minus 10 along with over 47 in that game. Um... I like Houston getting the points at plus 9.5. I'd buy it to 10 with the hook at plus 10. Right now in Bovada, if you do plus 10, you buy the half point, you get it at minus 120. So not bad. I mean, I think that's worth it. You know, I, I would not be surprised if Kansas City won this game by quite a bit. But I think just 10 points is too many, especially when you look at the landscape of the weekend. You know, Tennessee being a 10-point underdog as well. And then the Vikings being a three-point difference against the number one team in the NFC doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And then I said I like the over 51.5 in that game, the Houston-Kansas City game. And then lastly, Green Bay. I wouldn't fault you for buying a full point down to three if you really want to. It's just the odds get so terrible then. If you buy a full point, it's down to minus 150. So yeah, I'd take that back. I wouldn't do that. But... I think you'd have some confidence that Green Bay wins this game. As long as they do it by more than a field goal, you're going to cash or at least push. So I like Green Bay at minus 4 at minus 115 odds, and then the under 47 at minus 115 odds. I think they really try to run the ball in this game to beat Seattle. But anyways, guys, it's going to do it for me here on the second episode of the uh, – or sorry, the eighth – or the ninth episode, sorry, but the second run of the NFL playoffs betting show. I hope you guys enjoyed it again. I hope you guys get some action and uh, you know win some money on Saturday and Sunday. But that's going to do it for me, and I hope to see you guys here tomorrow on January 10th. Thanks, guys, and peace out.